Spire. Welcome back to Starting Now. I'm your host, Jeff Saris. This is the show where I talk to entrepreneurs to reveal the many different approaches to entrepreneurship. And today I am very excited to share my conversation with Brian Clark. Brian is the founder of Copyblogger. He has various other projects now like Further and Unemployable. But Brian has given so much to the entrepreneurial community that he has set the stage for so many entrepreneurs like ourselves to learn the ins and outs of whether it's content marketing or just business growth and strategy. So I'm really excited for this episode. I think you're going to, I don't think, I know you're going to get so much out of it. So without further ado, my conversation with Brian Clark. So how many businesses and projects and things are you working on right now? Because you have quite a few, you always have quite a few balls in the air, don't you? Yeah. And I don't know why I keep doing that to myself, but it just seems to be (laughs) part of my nature. But right now I'm technically um, leading three companies Um, by recently. I've got two side projects that became companies further and unemployable. And then I kind of came back to a more active role with Copyblogger for we'll see how for how long. Um, But we're really working as a team over there. But um, I, I think there, I needed to come in uh, with the new product and take the lead on this aspect of it. And then Daryl and Tim and Stephanie are more than capable of doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's uh, interesting times, you know, and because there's nothing else going on this year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, because yeah, after, so after selling with Copyblogger, that you didn't sell Copyblogger itself, but you sold the constituent components that made up sort of Rainmaker Digital, correct? Yeah, it's uh, it's so interesting that that's how it worked because you know Copyblogger was a platform that allowed Studio Press to grow so much, to allow us to create uh, the Rainmaker platform and the various hosting uh, products and software products, and and that's what everyone wanted to buy, and that's what they did. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then you still have the audience and you still have the platform, uh, even though, and this is the interesting part about me coming back because when I went on sabbatical and traveled with my family for seven months, my decision was I'm done with copy blogger, right? I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm get, it's a new chapter of my life. Um, and then, you know, all sorts of inter- interesting things happen. I know you talked to Brian Gardner earlier, um, but uh, Daryl Vesterfeld came in with an offer to buy out my other partners, except for Brian. And then Brian got bought out by Tim Stoddard. So now I have different partners all together, which is cool. But and really, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have come back to help guide the ship a little bit. Um, but I have a lot of faith in them that uh, just, you know, a little bit of help from Brian, hopefully. And then, you know, the ship just sails just, you know, not with me at the wheel every day. So that that's mm-hmm. kind of the goal. Yeah. What was the impetus then to come back? Being that they wanted to buy in to buy the partners out. But what was sort of your, uh, the driving, like the why for you? I mean, honestly, as the founder from day one, when it was just me, no one knows that audience better, even though I haven't technically been in charge of it for like three years or, or even when Sonia was there, I wasn't in charge of it, but Sonia and I 
we're so compatible in mm-hmm. our view uh, of how things should go. So, so it was a transition uh, in the last year where I let Daryl and then Tim, you know, really just kind of get acquainted and, and also the audience get acquainted with them. Um, but when it came time to launch uh, something new, I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to, I'll do this. Um, but you're going to have to put up with me. <laughs> Basically, how did I put it? I'm like, leave me alone and do what I say. And that's all we have to do <laughs> because I had to write a lot of stuff. And, and, you know, uh, Tim's, a, a you know, really, a, a, a blossoming writer. Daryl has no, he's not, he'll be the first to tell you he doesn't want to write. So he doesn't necessarily understand what it's like. Um, to go write a 30 page report and design a new product. So I'm just like, quit asking me for updates. All right. I'll get it done. I promise. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> my creative process is crazy. That's why I don't try to explain it to anyone. You know, you can try to boil it down to this process and that, but in reality, we're all kind of crazy people, right? When it comes to getting oh, yeah. things done. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, so not to try to boil it down, but what is your sort of broad strokes of your approach then to creativity? Because you are constantly writing, constantly producing content. And I want to kind of dive into the little projects and things as well, but you, your output is very impressive. It's because it's always high level, like you're, you're never phoning anything in, but you're very consistent with uh, building further, building unemployable, building uh, everything else that you've been doing over the years and now copy blogger again. Yeah. It's really um, an exercise, I think, first and foremost, in in strategic empathy, Um, understanding uh, who your audience is and and what does success look like for them, and then coming up with uh, a way to make that happen for them that also leads to your own success. And really, you know, Creativity and empathy to me go hand in hand because effectively what we're doing with content or even curation is telling stories, but it has to be the right story for the right type of person. So I'm a big advocate for you don't find your audience, you choose your audience, right? You choose them by displaying your values and your uh, worldview to a certain degree, because, you know, we talk about conversion in copywriting and and, uh, marketing, but you're not really converting anyone. You're not changing anyone's mind. It's hard enough to get someone to just choose you, even when they are like-minded or they, they have the same values. So I think that's a mistake a lot of people make. They're like, well, this is, this person should see things my way. Well, you're going to fail. I'm sorry. Have you seen the world? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it doesn't work that way and it's getting worse, it seems. Um, So you need to attract the type of people that you're going to engage with authentically. You know, a lot of buzzwords there, but authenticity just means that you're able to communicate honestly with people who are going to be okay with that. Um, And if there are people who are not okay with that, they don't need to be in your audience. And again, people are like, oh, I don't want to alienate anyone. Well, if you're not alienating anyone, no one's loving you either, right? That Again, that's mm-hmm. the world we live in. So just take a stand for what you believe in and get the right people to come with you. And don't worry about the people who don't want to come with you. That's okay. Um, 
it's just not even worth the trouble. And it's very frustrating uh, when you when you really think you can change someone's mind in the in their fundamental beliefs. You know, uh, you want people want to find a place where they belong and they will find that with you if they believe what you believe to begin with. You know, and all you're really getting them to do is is be congruent with you as opposed to someone else who might believe what you know, I, I think you and I have similar value systems, and yet you have your audience and I have mine, and some there's probably overlap there. Um, but but that's really what we're talking about. Yeah, and being in the middle, it's that's never a good spot to be. You don't want to be just broadly appealing to everyone because you don't you don't get those raving fans. You don't get the people who love right. you for who you are. Well, you know what they say about being in the middle of the road, right? What's that? You get run over. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really, Absolutely. you're just lonely because no one cares. You know, when, mm-hmm. when you have that kind of bland, whitewashed, non-offensive. And again, I am not saying go be purposefully offensive. Some people do mm-hmm. well with that. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just naturally offensive, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm just me. And some people like that and some people don't. And I'm okay mm-hmm. with that very much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you said finding your audience, finding the right people. So you're doing... No, not, not um, finding, a, choosing. Choosing. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it's finding yeah, it implies that whoever shows up, great. And I think I was just talking to someone earlier today who's like, I had this audience and they just weren't interested in buying from me. And I'm like, that's because you just took whoever showed up. And she's like, that's right. And so I ditched them and I focus only on a certain type of person. And now everything's great, even though the audience is, you know, a fourth of the size. And I'm like, big is not better if they're not your people. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's so then when you go and you choose an audience, are you thinking because let me rewind a bit. When you were doing copy blogger initially, you didn't start with a product. You started purely with your content and learning and like you said, empathy towards the audience. And then you've started further, which is towards geared towards a Gen Xers, correct? Sort of broadly speaking. People in their forties and fifties, which is perfectly Gen X right now. So um, Mm -hmm. that, I guess that will evolve over time, but it makes it convenient now. Uh, It's an interesting point about with copy blogger because, you know, I, I learned as much as anyone by doing copy blogger. My knowledge and expertise deepened it. Teaching someone something is the most incredible thing you can do. People are like, well, I don't have any expertise. I'm like, well, just start teaching people what you do know and stay a step ahead of them and you'll be fine. Um, so I knew certain things at the beginning of copy blogger, but I wasn't nearly as sophisticated about um, people, I guess, than I am now. So I accidentally chose my audience at, um, copy blogger by kind of just being, again, being myself, uh, but assuming that everyone else thought it was amusing to make Depeche mode and Prince analogies for content marketing. Right. I just did Uh that. And, um, and that attended to attract people my own age, because I'm talking about like Gen X pop culture. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, on the, the Depeche Mode, uh, post really was written on a dare. I even say it in the post. Someone told me I couldn't do it. And then it was very enlightening when a guy showed up in the comments, he's like, who's Depeche Mode? And I'm like, oh, 
It's the most popular electronic band in history, but that doesn't mean <laughs> everyone knows who this is, right? And that was, uh-huh. believe it or not, that was a learning moment for me that there is no such thing as mass culture anymore. So mm-hmm. um, when you make certain references, tell certain stories, uh, you attract a certain type of person just with the, creati- the, the, the creative aspect of the information you're sharing, right? So you're trying to make something more interesting that could be seen as boring or completely dry. Uh, but the way you do that is what I call the how. I mean, that's the essence of copywriting. It's how you're saying it, but what you're saying is still the most important thing, right? So when you're choosing an audience, you start with your topic. For one, we know that only certain people are going to be interested in online marketing, right? So you start there. Some pe- that, That's as far as some people go, right? Just the topic. And then they wonder why they struggle. So it goes beyond that. Then the next thing is, okay, what's my positioning within this topic, which is another way of saying, who do I really want to talk to? And, you know, and then you just follow that process. Now, Copyblogger was built at a time when social media was just a gift. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, we could make content <laughs> go viral all the time. You attract millions of of visitors to build an audience of say a hundred thousand, right? So it was really this mass attraction, not targeted, um, but you trickle down to the people who stuck with you. Nowadays, now that social media is pay to play, Facebook, as much as I hate them, um, is the best ad platform ever devised for for choosing a particular type of person. So now. Uh, with very affordable uh, social advertising, you can choose your audience. So uh, it's actually more efficient than it was back in the day, but now you do have to spend some money. Um, but but people don't realize how much time I spent back in the day. I mean, time is precious, and yet people are like, "Well, I don't want to spend any money." I'm like, "Well, you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of time." Um, uh, I think. You know, there's a trade-off these days between time and affordable uh, advertising to get, you just have to get your audience to a certain point, what I call the minimum viable audience, where they start sharing you, they start forwarding emails to their friends, like-minded people, um, and they start giving you ideas about what content they like, what they don't like, and what they may want to buy. So it's not a never ending process where you're just feeding money to Mark Zuckerberg because no one wants yeah. to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you think <laughs> that do you think today that you can build completely organically without ads or because it's such a different dynamic on social? So someone's starting with zero, zero platform outside of right. like their high school friends and whatnot. Do you sure. think that ads are a necessity or is there a way to sort of chip away in a seemingly less efficient way than i mean because i mean it was 2006 just for anyone listening that doesn't know copy blogger was if if i remember correctly 2006 when he started twitter was still really young i mean i was following along with everything you were saying and just a handful of other people like tim ferris and all like just ashton kutcher because he was the celebrity on twitter that was like that was the news um but yeah it's a different it was a different community, say through Twitter yeah. or Facebook or whatever. Very um, so yeah, what do you think in terms of ads now versus organic from zero? Well, there there are definitely ways um, to spend time instead of money and effectively borrow other people's audiences if they are the right audience. Like I don't do podcast interviews 
um, necessarily for exposure anymore because unfortunately I've been doing this a long time and that's the great thing you carry, hopefully if you, you carry your brand equity, if you will, with you. Um, but, uh, you know, being able to get, everyone is looking for podcast guests, you know, and I get 50 mm -hmm. pitches a day. You probably do too. You know, it's just, <laughs> uh, but, um, I, I still think guest posting is one of the better ways. Um, because, so for example, when I started copy blogger, uh, technically a blog, but I treated it like a magazine. So I was like, well, I don't want it to be just me. A magazine has multiple voices. And so I started accepting guest posts, which no one did at that time. Right. <laughs> and now this is a very common thing, except people are, they're strict about, you know, they know that you're trying to get a link back to your site. Are you doing it just for SEO or is it legit? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so it really comes down to relationships and that this has been true you know, I've known you since the early days, uh, met you in person five times. One time I forgot your name while I was just standing there talking to you and your wife. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah, that's no problem I'm at like, all. I've met that, you that six happens. times and I just blanked out on Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> but, um, but relationships, you know, mm -hmm. and I think, uh, I don't know if this still persists to this day, but you know, 10 years ago, it was this make money in your underwear type thing. Like you never had to interact with another human being. And that, that's just not true. Business has always mm -hmm. been about, uh, relationships the relationships between you and your audience, but also the ecosystem that surrounds it. If you make friends, your life is a lot easier when it comes to, you know, uh, getting someone to help you out, maybe uh, become an affiliate for you, uh, let guest post for them, whatever. Uh, it's just not some magical thing. And yet I get, again, these pitches asking for links, asking for guest posts, using the same email template and the automated scripts that if someone sold them and they're all using the same mm -hmm. thing, everyone's trying to avoid the actual human element here, which you can automate, you know, you just automation is fantastic for a lot of things, but not when it comes down to real relationships. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can see that, um, can, can take that perspective cynically where it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know, but it's always, it's what you know and who you know, like they're both as important because if you don't know yeah. shit, you're not going to be able to produce anything. You're not going to actually be delivering anything of value to people. But if you don't know anyone, if you have no community, no one's going to hear you. Even if it's the greatest content, the greatest whatever product it is. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, people forget that. So I started Copy Blogger based on uh, three businesses that I had built with what became known as content marketing. We didn't even call it when I, you know, we didn't have a name. Um, but I knew no one. I just was lurking in the blogging world watching these people uh, like Robert Scoble and, um, there was a lot of, of very kind of idealistic techno utopian uh, blogger types. Um, and I knew no one. Um, and you would think it was worse, but a lot of those early guys didn't like me um, <laughs> and kind of told their audiences that they didn't like me because I dared talk about selling with a blog and their audiences were like, no, that sounds interesting. I'm, I'm heading over. I'm like, thanks for the uh -huh. link, guys. <laughs> and then the relationships start, you know, Darren Rouse, uh, Liz Strauss, who uh, unfortunately just passed away. She was a blogging 
pioneer. Um, these were the early people who I became friends with. Liz and Darren Rouse were my two first links, you know, and it just brought back nice. so many memories hearing the news about her. It just, mm -hmm. it's been a long journey for a lot of us, um, but we're still, we're still going. Uh, it's still interesting because it changes. The, the landscape keeps changing. So it's always a challenge. Yeah. Would you say that change in landscape is what keeps you interested? Because, I mean, you've been talking about content marketing and educating people for a very long time now, and it, but consistently. I mean, it's not like you mentioned going away for a little bit, but in terms of content production and um, education, it's been almost nonstop for well over a decade. Yeah, I feel, you know, for me to take seven months off feels like forever. It was amazing, though. I mean, and, and the thing, you know, here in 2020, being trapped in the United States effectively, uh, I, I'm at a position where that's what I want to do. I still want to work, but I just want to do it while traveling, you know, and, and going and experiencing different aspects of life, broadening my own perspective, which I think would inform the work in different ways. So, you know, it's a tough year. We'll, we'll get back out there. Um, but yeah, um, the challenge of starting, for example, with further with a completely different topical approach, right? Like these people don't know me. I've got a good story that helps. It's on the about page, but they don't know me like people knew who knew me from Copyblogger, right? And some of those people are from Copyblogger, but not as many as you'd think. Um, since I really kind of narrowed the focus, uh, the audience has been building itself uh, by just people going, I love this newsletter. You should check it out. He writes for Gen Xers, right? And Gen X mm -hmm. is such an ignored <laughs> demographic that people are like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> writing about us? <laughs> um so I think, I think that's part of it. I, it's just fun to, you know, to do different things, to try to replicate um, the same kind of outcome in a completely different context. Like I said, the, the golden years of social media and huge organic traffic, they, they just don't exist unless, you know, unless you say something funny on Twitter, but that's not the same type of content that leads to the audience we really want. Right. And people mm -hmm. don't share normal business content like they used to in the early days. Used to be, you could write about Twitter and it would go viral on Twitter. Right. Those yeah. were the days. <laughs> that's how Mike Stelzner built his whole thing. He, he wrote for copy blogger and he started writing only about social media. They'd go viral every time. Thank you, Michael. And then he's like, what do you think about this site about social media? I'm like, Mike, it's a home run. Go for it, <laughs> you know? Uh -huh. And it was. <laughs> so Yeah, definitely. So then, um, because I followed along when he started further, I'm still on the email, get him every week. How did you approach that differently? Because a lot of people, they've been around, say, since 2006. You have this audience and they will leverage that audience consistently for different projects, different businesses. Right. But I feel like you you just tease it out and say, hey, this is something that you're Boulder when that came out, a hyper-local website for Boulder, mm -hmm. Colorado, for further. They're different areas, and you're not really trying to, like you said, trying to choose the same copy blogger audience. How have you approached building that is it pure organic uh, from people sharing because it just naturally is very shareable or were there any other strategies you took? 
Like with your Boulder, it's the easiest way to build a local audience is Facebook ads because you just target by geography. It's simple. It's inexpensive. Um, so that was that approach. Further was different in that it truly was a personal project for me. Um, I started at a time where I was, you know, succeeding wildly in business, right? Uh, and yet I was unhealthy and my relationships weren't great and I was stressed out and I was just like, I got to talk about something other than content marketing, but I have no expertise in this stuff, clearly, given that I was overweight and unhealthy. Um, so uh, I just started sharing what I was reading and that's curation, right? And now some of the biggest email newsletters out there like The Hustle and Morning Brew and... Um, Oh, I forgot the, the skim. Um, they're all just curated newsletters because now we've gone from when I started copy blogger, there was blogging was very opinionated, 250 words about what you had for lunch or whatever. And I was like, no, this is going to be a thousand word article that's educational. And it changed everything because that's was different. Now we've got we're drowning in that type of content. So now services where you act as an editor and say, okay, this is good. This was clickbait. Ignore this. You know, you don't really even talk about the stuff you ignore. You just are effectively including what's good and building uh, trust with your audience that way. And then you work in your own content. So now, you know, four years later, I can write fairly authoritatively about a lot of the issues we talk about in, in Boulder, I mean, uh, uh, in further, because I've done the work, you know, uh, I've read the books, countless books. Um, I've watched the audience. I've seen what they have to say about things. You learn so much from the feedback you get from people. So, you know, uh, I would say that uh, compared to when I first started it, I do have just subject matter expertise, right? And how do you develop that? By, by studying it, by reading it, by doing the research and, and serving the audience. So what was your initial vision with that then? Because it is a, it was a curation. It is a curation email along with your original content, um, sort of synthesizing the stuff you've learned and then referencing these articles. What was the vision when you started in terms of the business side? Was it, was there an end and goal or was it pure, or no. an end in sight or just purely? It, it wasn't supposed to be a business. And then when I went on sabbatical, I, you know, I had time to, think and be with myself a little bit. And I'm like, this is what I really want to do. And that's when I decided uh, that further would be the go forward. Um, but then I also uh, didn't want to give up unemployable. And that started as an aspect of copy blogger. And but it was my I owned it separately. And so that's why I reached out to Jared Morris. I'm like, you know, I think we have a good thing here. Do you want to partner up? And he said, yes. And now unemployable is a profitable business. So, um, see, that's the thing though, to your original point, unemployable is, it's maybe about entrepreneurship as opposed to content marketing, but it's still, right. It's still closely mm -hmm. related to what people know me for. Um, yeah. and honestly, the, the things I've learned about the further audience is yes, they're interested in health and wellness. Yes. They're interested in personal growth, but the number one issue uh, for Gen Xers or people in their 40s and 50s, young boomers too, is am I ever going to retire? Am I going to get fired? Am I going to lose my job and therefore not be able to retire? Am I going to live to be 90 or 100 due to longevity advances and 
outlive my money. So it's right back to economic issues again. And I've made peace with that. I'm good at it, you know, so why not, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But I still get to talk about the whole picture with the further audience instead of just marketing, 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 or, you know, entrepreneurship. So, yeah. And are there any uh, products in the pipeline? Like you're wearing some of the merch right now, which I love. Like, I absolutely love that logo. And I feel like that was a little of the inspiration, probably subconsciously, for our logo for Built, which is also like this bird just sort of spreading its, oh, really? its wings. And so. this is very personal to me. The Phoenix has always, since I was a kid, it's been meaningful to me. But within the context of um, midlife and, and your next act and all that, it just seems really appropriate for, you know, talking about midlife reinvention or your, your next phase, you know, it's not uh, what, what goes down in ashes is the former you and what rises up is, is the new version of you. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you like it. Cause it, it, you know, usually I try to choose things, um, at the intersection of me and the audience, but with further, I've always made choices basically based on what I, what resonates with me, but I am a member of my target audience. Right. So mm -hmm. that, that hasn't hurt me so far. So it's good. I think it comes through that this means something to me and that goes a Absolutely. long way. And that's why I'm, I really talk a lot about, don't just choose something that makes money, choose something that fills you with purpose. Because when it gets tough and you got to show up again the next week or the next whatever, uh, it's hard if you don't, if you're only doing it for the money. Um, that's a lesson mm -hmm. I learned a long time ago. Yeah. So then is there any plan for money? Oh, yeah. Not, we've got a got a product in development right now. Um, it's fun. In fact, I was working all day yesterday on it and we're right in the middle of a launch at Coffee Blogger. And I'm still, you know, I, I just get drawn <laughs> to what... Um, what I want to work on, you know, and, and that's, uh -huh. that feels great. Right. You know, when you wake up mm -hmm. in the morning and you're not like, Oh, I got to go to work. You're like, I get to work on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You're up all night trying to get it just dialed in, go to sleep, wake up and continue. Cause right. it's just always there front of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I try, I'm much better about not staying up late than I used to be. I used to put in the, the night shift, but now I'm like, man, if I don't sleep, I'm going to be a wreck. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> Definitely. So I told you, I take better care of myself now. <laughs> nice awesome yeah i have shifted i mean for years i've been this way but i i tend to get my my great work hours at night so this is pretty much the first thing i'm doing today is talking to you it's not even that early it's two o'clock okay. my time so <laughs> but yeah, yeah i'm always i'm more of the the night guy so my mornings like uh that's where i do any creative work and then in the afternoons i'll do things like this or talk on, with people um, calls if I have to, uh, <laughs> zoom calls. Uh, uh -huh. but, um, yeah, I, uh, the only way I used to write at night was with a, a healthy glass of wine by me and I don't do that anymore. So <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> how much time would you say you spend creatively uh, writing in the morning? Like typically not, uh, concretely. Yeah. I, I think my, um, yeah, it's not continuous. I wish, but I'd say from eight to one or two. Um, it, and then after that, I just, I have to give up, you know, unless mm -hmm. I've got, unless something has to be out the next day, then of course you can get it done. But I don't usually put myself in that position uh, too much anymore. Um, so I just try to keep things like, for example, if you try to schedule a phone call with me before noon, I'll say no. Right. I just jealously guard that block of time. 
but I'll say yes to the afternoon. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't, and so in some mornings I still have a bad creative day, but I still protect the time, you know, cause you gotta, you gotta allow for, you know, bad days or stuff's not flowing, you know, you just you <laughs> deal with it. Right. <laughs> uh -huh, for sure. And so you don't, and that is a thing too. I mean, you're investing heavily because you love this and you, you want to continue pushing all these things because seemingly you wouldn't have to be investing quite so much time like into the writing, into the creative because you have so many projects going. Um, right. But it's, I don't know. I, I always really respect people who have the, the level of output that you have because it, it shines through that you love what you do. And a lot of people can't say that, you know? Yeah. Honestly, I feel like I don't put that much out relatively, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't mm -hmm. know. That's interesting that you see it that way. I mean, I am consistent. I think consistency is, is the key, um, especially with your audience. Um, but you know, I, I should or could write thousand, 15 words every day. That doesn't usually happen though. If I get mm -hmm. 500, Hey, it's a good day. Right. <laughs> um, but there's other aspects too, different mediums other than just obviously audio. And then you got to think about, um, presentation decks and just, I'm, I'm trying to expand, uh, from writer to communicator because we have mm -hmm. this rich multimedia universe. And when augmented and virtual reality, you know, mature, we're going to have this incredibly different environment that we live and work in. And I'm, Looking forward to that as much as I really enjoy being out in the real world and and try to make sure I'm in nature at least as much as possible. At the same time, I'm looking forward to when the web kind of grows into uh, a rea a space instead of a, a page metaphor, right? And we're very close mm -hmm. to it. So interesting times. And and you have people who are like, well, I miss the blogging thing and I miss the podcasting thing. You haven't missed anything. I mean, what's coming is going to be crazy. Just keep your eyes open, right? And and figure out how to provide value to people. Yeah, like what what do you sort of anticipate in that regard of what's coming? Well, if you think about, you know, content marketing or online education, really those are just kind of the same thing except one you pay for and one sells something else. Um, it's just kind of really primitive if you take, even though the technology we have right now that we're using right now is light years ahead of what we used to deal with 10, 15 years ago. Right. And yet it's still like zoom one day is going to be an augmented reality platform. It just needs Apple to release the glasses. Right. And that's <laughs> coming probably next year. Um, so it's, this is the stuff I pay attention to, to anticipate um, because you don't have to be, the super early adopter. Like I said, with blogging, I mean, I started in 2006, it was in full swing, but what it just started was commercial blogging. Like it, it went moved from hobbyist into business. And that's when I said, okay, now's time, right? Because even though I'd been using content to build businesses, I was never a proper blogger, right? Until a coffee blogger. And even then I tried to make it into something else as fast as I could. Uh, to try to evolve the form. So there's going to be opportunities for, for a lot of people to do the same thing um, this entire decade. 
and it's going to be kind of crazy too. But hey, we started off this year as you know fairly crazy. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone's like, you can't get worse than this. I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows what's next? Um, so when it comes to content marketing, you so you you approach content marketing to build your businesses. To it's it flows through everything you do. But then we have I've seen you written write a little bit about this. So I wanted to bring up um, influencer marketing and your thoughts on that and how um, you've talked about influencer versus thought leader as an example of how to better define it. But how would you, how would you define the difference between an influencer who like, because obviously you have influence, you have, you can, you have a community, you have people who look up to you and respect what you do, but we have this connotation of what an influencer is. So it's a weird a weird term to apply maybe to you where an Instagram influencer is is this set yeah. like model kind of thing. Well, you know, I try to step outside of our bubble and talk to normal people and then also my kids. Um, <laughs> I like normal people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, people who don't do this stuff. And the way they say, you know, to them, an influencer is like Kardashian, right? Kind of a train wreck, uh, you know, uh, PewDiePie. Uh. But my kids, you know, are into all the YouTube stars and, and now TikTok, of course. And the only thing I've ever done that impresses them is that I have a blue check mark on Twitter. That's it. I mean, <laughs> everything else are like, whatever, dad. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. really? That's what impresses you? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about the difference now. And, and in the past, I've kind of not liked the term thought leader because it sounds pretentious and is generally applied to say, say like a Seth Godin, you know, like I write books, I give speeches. That's what I do. Or because that's a legit thought leader. And then you've got like some CEO who, you know, for PR is trying to become, calls himself a thought leader. I'm like, you can't call yourself a thought leader. I mean, yeah. But I like it because of the word leader, because if you're going to help someone, you know, the, the whole audience metaphor for me is like the hero's journey or the buyer's journey, which is mapped to it, which is you're not the hero. They are, but you're the mentor. You're the guide. So you have to have empathy to know what the path looks like. And then you lead them along on the path of least resistance, which has a double meaning, right? Because you're breaking down sales resistance as well. Not by doing anything shady, but just by saying, this is what you need, right? You, this is what you want to do, and here's the solution. Um, so I, I've kind of made that distinction, even though I know in our space, some people don't distinguish between influencer or thought leader or what have you. But in the broader world, which I think we're all going to have to be more, I think, inclusive of, because... With the pandemic, you know, we feel like everyone's online doing digital marketing, but no, there are tons of businesses that just wouldn't do it. And now they're trying to figure out how to do it. So this is an opportunity for freelance writers and designers and everyone, but they've got to meet people where they are and where they are is less sophisticated than you think when it comes to all this stuff we take for granted. Like most of the world had never heard of Zoom, but you and I have been using Zoom for years, right? So yeah. that's just a good example of, oh, okay, so I have to speak differently to people so they'll understand, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. And do you see influencer marketing? So pure influencer, not thought leader. Do you see that having a shelf life? 
I just keep reading about how brands are so disappointed every, you know, with, cause it was such the craze and even people mm -hmm. in the content marketing space were embracing it. But I think we need to walk away from that term because it's, it's gaining a negative connotation. So that, that's really mm -hmm. all I'm trying to do. Uh, the language you use matters because if someone sees it as negative and you're using it as a positive, you may have lost them right there. Right. So it's important to yeah. think about what language do we use? Is it correct for the broader uh, audience that's that's needing help? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so I want to move on to sort of the a little bit on unemployable. You're you started seven figures small, which. I'm very very interested in because I don't know, I come from that like minimalist business kind of approach. Dave and I do everything in house. We've never, never hired, never brought anyone on. It's 100% just the two of us. And right. you've done both. You've gone down the uh, Brian Clark copy blogger route. Then you grew to, I think, what, 50 plus employees. And like mm -hmm. you've um, gone all, all over the place. So what has drawn you into this seven figure small approach now? And, and how actually do you define seven figure small? Yeah, it's interesting um, because when I started Copyblogger, I was like, I'm never going to have an employees. I'm only going to do partnerships and joint ventures. And, and for a while, that's what we did. And then um, 2007, 2008, and 2009, three different businesses all reached seven figures within 12 months. And if any sensible person would have just been satisfied with that, but no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I did an interview the other day and they were like, well, you know, what were you thinking when you started copy blogger? What was your ambition to create, uh, you know, this eight figure business? I'm like, I never wanted to create an eight figure business. <laughs> it never even entered my mind. All I did was the next thing every year. And that's the power of, of, audience, you know, because the audience scales up and you don't, you can choose not to, right? And that's really the philosophy. I went in a different direction. I've said many times, I don't regret a thing because it was the greatest learning experience of my life, but it also, and it ended great. We got acquisitions, right? <laughs> um, but, um, but it's not what I said I wanted to do and I don't want to do it now. And I now I've learned my lesson that you can so easily get caught up in your own ambition, right? Like if you're presented with an opportunity and you can't say no to it, regardless of what it does to your personal life or, you know, so and, and really now looping back around to why I started further, why do you think I was, you know, working so much and unhealthy and all of that kind of thing, right? So you have to know yourself as much as you have to know your audience and design the type of business you want. Now, the seven figure thing sounds like hyperbole, but of course, people do it all the time, right? It's amazing. Um, Elaine Pofelt's book, The Single, what was it? The One the Person. One Person Million Dollar Business, I think. Yeah, that's it, right? Uh -huh. And that's where Seven Figure Small came from. So uh, while I was on sabbatical, I looked at the, you know, the last season of Unemployable, the podcast, um, I looked at the episodes to see what people liked and her episode by far just crushed it. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Hmm. And I, I called Jared up who had already agreed to, to partner with me. I'm like, what do you think about seven figure small? He's like, I like it. And I'm like, okay, that's it. That's our new thing. And <laughs> well, you, you put it out there and then people reacted favorably. And then we changed the name of the podcast We've got a course named after it now. 
The whole business was built by an observation of what the audience resonated with. And that's what we try to teach people. How do you, how do you find the signals amongst the noise, right? What's meaningful and what's not. And more importantly, can you put aside what you think they should have and give them in a creative, interesting way, what you know they want, which means they want a certain outcome and you have to find a way to guide them to the outcome that they desire. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where all the fun is to me, at least. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And do you think there are, so that's, it generally leads itself to a course. Do you think there are other options other than courses? Obviously, I mean, digital, like entrepreneurship, like online stuff that's plentiful. There's so many different options. But in terms of the paths that you um, pursue in really educating people and getting them to their goals, is yeah. course sort of the main um, endpoint with the different projects? Well, um, for me now, because, you know, I, I've kind of sworn off software, um, even though I'm still tempted from time to time um, to yeah. go in that direction again. But what I told myself was, no, let's just, you know, I enjoy being a teacher. I really do. Um, and if you can be a well-compensated teacher, that's awesome. Um, mm -hmm. So I think I've found my role. But, you know, for example, in the course, we're using examples of services, uh, e-commerce, uh, just about any business model you can imagine works by building an audience first, right? And then discovering what they want to buy. So it's not just courses. Unemployable is primarily a uh, community, but we found that it's the education that brings people in. And then once they're there, they're like, oh, I love it here. And then they stay, right? So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's just a fantastic learning experience. And the whole concept of, of rapid technological change, societal and cultural change and lifelong learning, the education business is a place to be for every, you know, not just online marketing or entrepreneurship, but for everything you can think of. You know, what about people who are going to lose their jobs to robots in the next few years? How do you retrain them to do something else? Right. That's an opportunity for people like you and me, right? So, and there's a lot of other people out there that are better equipped perhaps for that uh, than, than I might be. So I'm just going to try to, I'm going to stay in my lane uh, driven by what I find meaning and purpose in, right? And with further and unemployable, I've got that. And of course, copy blogger is my baby. So I got to keep an eye on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and just a couple more questions. When it comes to the courses, you're um, you're not fast to kill them, but you also don't let them sit around until they've really uh, surpassed their shelf life, I feel like. How do you yeah. know when a course really needs to either be overhauled or just ditched because the times have changed? That's a great question. Um, I'm probably more sensitive to it than I think because my thinking evolves rapidly. And sometimes I forget that the rest of the audience has room to catch up and it's fine. Um, but yeah, I can't stand if I think something is past its shelf life. It may not be, and maybe I need to be smarter about that, um, but it bugs me. So I think it's, it's a healthy thing. Uh, I could probably let things ride a little longer, but 
from now on, I don't see overhauling as much as I see iteration, right? Just constantly getting well-versed in, in, again, multimedia to the extent that you can put something in a format, but you can chunk it so that you can redo this aspect. If you said something that's outdated, you just do that part over again, right? You don't have to scrap mm -hmm. the entire thing. And that can be a challenge because it really informs how you create it in the first place. You have to think in terms of evergreen, don't make references that are going to age badly. You know, it's hard to do when things change so quickly though. So oh, yeah. that's, um, that's the way I think about things now. And again, with the, the learning community or educational community format, uh, you're constantly being able to update things in real time and just say, just make reference. Okay. So remember when we talked about this, here's an update on this key point, which we feel has changed and you need to know about it. So it's, it's a cool mm -hmm. a format because it gives people that educational component. Um, but it also gives people belonging and we all could use more of that, I think, especially this year. So, yeah, I mean, the community, community is everything. And like, I also I actually want to thank you too, because the copy blogger community is how we built our business, how we built all of our like connections was like directly through you guys and the events you would do in, in Colorado and authority. And yeah. Whatnot. And I'm, you know, someone asked me what I'm most proud of with copy blogger and they were kind of alluding to the millions and I'm like, no, all the people that built businesses and I got, you know, thanks. Well, not thanks to us because you guys did it, but we were a vehicle that allowed on people like you and Laura Roeder and Mike Stelzner and, Oh my gosh, so many, uh, there's so many people that are, are popping in my head right now, but they're all just amazing. John Morrow. Um, mm. I'm trying to, there's the other guy that I was just looking at. Anyway, all these people built, you know, these are to, to people out there in the world, you are their go-to person, right? And mm. that's not because of me, but the fact that I helped at all, that's my favorite thing about copy blogger. Like, Every time, like, for example, um, James Clear, do you know, mm -hmm. wrote Atomic Habits? Um, so I was following his site a few years back, probably because of further, and he was writing about habits and, and whatnot. And then um, I went to Twitter and looked him up and he's following me. And I'm like, oh, wow, how did that happen? So I follow him and then he DMs me and he's like, thanks, Brian. Uh, I learned how to write from Coffee Blogger. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, how do you even, you know, Ryan uh -huh. Holiday, look at that kid. He's a miracle yeah. man. You know, I've known him since he was 20 years old. All of these people are like, you know, if, if you have a legacy, it's not the money. It's like, who did you help? Right. Do they, Absolutely. Uh, do they think nicely about you somewhat? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But yeah, you set the stage. You set the stage for so many of us. So just on, on behalf of everyone, just thank you for everything that you've done for, <laughs> through all well, these years, you. you know? You, uh, you make me look good, though. So that, that <laughs> helps, you know. I, all, all these entrepreneurs that I've named, I mean, ultimately, it's your hard work. Um, mm -hmm. But if I could help a little, then, hey, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I don't want to take any more of your time. This was an awesome chat. Thank you so much for doing this. And where should we send people then? We mentioned your different platforms, but is there a, a particular spot you would like people to head to? 
Well, if you are in the 40 to 50 year old age group, you may want to check out further.net. Um, that's, uh, I love doing that newsletter. Um, and uh, if you are a freelancer or entrepreneur or want to be, unemployable.com, uh, we try to uh, put out a lot of useful, helpful information. We've got a free email course over there. You'll see, uh, when you hit unemployable.com. And of course, for content marketing, uh, copyblogger.com has been going at it for almost 15 years now. So yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks again for doing this and maybe sometime in the future we can do, do a round two and see how everything's going with the, with further and any new projects you have. Absolutely. And I got to say, I've said this before, actually, when you launched the podcast, this is a great, this is a great show, right? Oh, so well, thanks. <laughs> I'm very impressed with your production and your, uh, the way you're, you're approaching it because, you know, everyone kind of does the same thing and anything you can do just a little bit different, you know, it takes more work, but, and I know you put oh, yeah. the work in. So anyway, I just wanted to tell you, I love this show and uh, keep it up. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. A huge thanks goes out to Brian for joining me on this episode. Be sure to check out everything that he's been creating and everything he's up to at copyblogger.com, unemployable.com, and further.net. Definitely, definitely, definitely be sure to check out his stuff because I am not exaggerating that he set the stage for so many businesses, including ours. And um, we have the utmost gratitude to everything, everything he's done and everything he has done for the community at large. So be sure to check it out. As always, this episode of Starting Now is brought to you by Built. At Built, we help you get started online. Whether you want to start a blog or a business, head on over to built.co. That's B-Y-L-T C-O to get started. Built. Your website, built for you, simply. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the video version of this show on YouTube. You'll find all the links for this episode at built.co slash 014. That's B-Y-L-T dot C-O slash 014. Well, that'll do it for this week. Again, I'm Jeff Saris. This has been Starting Now, and I'll see you next time.